Now my voice is shot. My voice is dunzo. I uh, I got sick earlier this week, just late summer cold. Like what and Mitzi had. Like what Mitzi has continues to have, mm-hmm. and so but it's just it's going through its stages. So I sound like a a gross monster, and you are freshly back from class. Mm-hmm. How did it go? My theater class. Ooh. Oh, fine. We had to perform the syllabus, which was not great. <laughs> you had to perform the syllabus? Mm-hmm. Like as a creative exercise? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I am a theater person, and that sounds difficult. It was fine. We uh we went into small We only had like 10 minutes to prepare it. Okay. Uh, We we had small groups. Uh, my group did a, a condescending children's show announcer. You know, like how when Dora like points to something, he's like, can you show me where blank is? That's how we did it. Yeah. I got some laughs. Good. That's all that matters. Yeah. That is the number one rule of theater. Get some laughs. Mm-hmm. I, we, believe, uh, I believe Hamlet told the players that. We uh we went over the, the play Sweat today. Very it's good. good. Yeah. It's a good good commentary on uh, the working class, small town America, unlike the movie Antlers. <laughs> <laughs> unlike Antlers. Sweat was a good story. Yeah. Well, also unlike Antlers... Darkman. Yeah. Uh Darkman. This is Darkman from 1990. Question I believe. Mark? This is this is this 1990 already? Let's find out. It sounds about right. And it would fit our theme of yes, skipping whole years because Totoro was 88 uh and once again uh the uh the the mind of Guillermo del Toro said 1989 Nothing going on then. Absolutely nothing going on in 1989. For those of you wondering if there were any films made in 1989, uh, the answer... Dead Poets Society came out. A is yes. <laughs> and B is that we had such films as uh, Batman, <laughs> The Little Mermaid, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Ghostbusters 2. Uh, Back to the Future 2. When Harry Met Sally... <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. First Pet Cemetery, original Pet Cemetery. And if you want to get away from just crowd pleasers, we do have Do the Right Thing. Uh, we have Fire Walk with Me and Christmas Vacation. Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors, uh, The Killer, uh, My Left Foot. We have a lot of mystery trains on the, the Cook, the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Guillermo del Toro was like, nope. Nope, not going to get out of bed for any of those. The Return of Swamp Thing. The return of, he might have gotten out of bed for Return of Swamp Thing. <laughs> he didn't even get out of bed for UHF or Uncle Buck or All Dogs Go to Heaven. The Burbs came out. The Burbs, not even born on the 4th of July. Not even Casualties of War. Couldn't be bothered. How was Friday the 13th part Eight already in 1989. Jeez. Friday the 13th Part 8, uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, was a watershed moment for me and my friends. We didn't see it in the theater. We were a little too young. But the advertising campaign was hilarious, and it was all mm-hmm. we could talk about. Uh, the movie itself, a real stinker. Kiki's Delivery Service came out. Steel Magnolias, Drugstore Cowboy, Sex Lies in Videotape. Come on. Even Tetsuo the Iron Man was out. Come on, Gamma del Toro. What were you doing in 1989? 
who knows, War of the Roses, which I saw in the theater at a birthday party. Anyways, I, we're super off track. What's important is 1989, zero movies came out. 1989, no movies came out. And then in 1990, a little movie called Darkman snuck into the theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darkman, which was directed by Mr. Sam Raimi. Now, have you ever seen a Sam Raimi-directed movie? No idea. You see Evil Dead? Yes. The original? Mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2? Yes. Army of Darkness? I don't think so. The Quick and the Dead? No. A Simple Plan? No. For Love of the Game? Nobody saw For Love of the Game. <laughs> the Gift? That's a good movie. You should check out The Gift. Uh, Spider-Man? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> uh, Toby Maguire? Yes. I Noah made me watch them all once when I was in Texas. <laughs> Spider-Man 2? <laughs> Spider-Man <Yep>. 3? <laughs> Did you ever see Drag Me to Hell? No. Oh, it's a good one. Uh, Oz the Great and Powerful? When did that one come out? 2013? Yes, I did. I saw that in the theaters. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I haven't actually seen that one. Uh, so, yeah, that's Sam Raimi. Mr. Sam Raimi, an interesting guy. He uh, he grew up in uh, Michigan, and he and his friends would make Super 8 movies. He said that it was like his father getting a Super 8 camera was like, oh, my God, you can just make movies? That was kind of like just he was amazed and so he and his friend started making movies uh his 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 best friend was a little actor named uh, bruce campbell and uh they in college teamed up with uh with robert tappert and made a movie called within the woods which would later be expanded to the movie the evil dead uh he made friends with scott spiegel who would write a bunch of movies with him including the evil dead movies uh, by the time he was out of college, he'd already made a feature film. So, you know, he was he was moving along pretty quickly. But it was really The Evil Dead and Stephen King promoting The Evil Dead that made him a name. Uh, he made Evil Dead, then he made Crime Wave, which was terrible. <laughs> but, importantly enough, Crime Wave, he co-wrote with a couple of brothers named the Coen Brothers. Hmm. And this began, like, the the... Forever career-spanning crossover between the Coen brothers, Sam Raimi, Francis McDermott, Holly Hunter, like all these actors and creators, uh, Ivan Raimi, Ted Raimi, like all these people who would forever sort of be within each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Evil Dead 2 came out. It was a hit. Not a huge hit, but it was a successful enough. And... The and he talked to Dino De Laurentiis, who was like, "I'll give you the money to make your next Evil Dead movie, Army of Darkness." But after at this point, he and uh, Bruce Campbell and a couple of the other guys had created their own little—it's not a studio, like production company. Mm-hmm. They had talked to Universal, and Sam Raimi had written a story called The Dark Man, and he sold the idea to Universal. It went through like ten drafts, and. It was his sort of response to Universal Monsters. It was his response to not getting the rights to The Shadow to make this movie of The Shadow. And it was his response to wanting to create a monster movie, but not a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, I guess it's up to us to decide if what he ended up with uh, is that, is, is, a, is a non-horror movie monster movie with elements of superhero films and uh, tragic romance at the center of it. 
It's a trilogy? Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, We'll get into it later on, but Darkman did well enough that there were two direct-to-video sequels, Mm -hmm. not starring any of the original cast except Larry Drake in uh, Darkman 2, but Liam Neeson did not return as Darkman. However, he he was replaced with... Uh, future star, future star of the Mummy, or current star of the Mummy? I can't remember which came out first. Uh, Arnold Vosloo. He was replaced by Ar- uh, future star of the Mummy, Arnold Vosloo. So, uh, uh, yeah, they were just direct-to-video cheapies. That they have, a, they have their fans, but they are certainly not uh, considered good movies. Um, Sam Raimi would go on to produce all of the American films of The Grudge. Your favorites. Mm. Uh, and he would go on to help create the TV series uh, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, Xeno, Warrior Princess. Hell yeah. Uh, and eventually, of course, uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. And he continues to promote, uh, produce uh, films for people. And who knows what he has next on his plate. I know there's another Evil Dead movie coming out called Evil Dead Rise. I don't know how involved he is in it at all besides, you know, sort of being executive producer. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's Sam Raimi. From all accounts, he is a perfectly nice person. Uh, he has worked with Danny Elfman on numerous occasions. He may, he is known for, his, for innovating certain types of camera movements, uh, for a love of slapstick, a love of the macabre. He always said that he didn't like making horror horror movies. He would rather make comedies. But since horror and comedy are basically almost the same thing, uh, it's either one or the other with him. Sam Raimi. If you ran into him on the street, he'd he'd probably give you a high five. Not you. (laughs) He would know you. But if, no. if, if you knew him, he'd probably give you a high five. Uh, also, he wanted Bruce Campbell, his best friend, to star in Darkman, and the studio said no. So they got Liam Neeson, who was also a nobody at the time. Like, I don't know what the thinking was, but I guess probably Liam Neeson's a better actor than Bruce Campbell, honestly. So uh, I love Bruce Campbell to death, but Liam Neeson was probably the better guy. Are you ready to watch Darkman? Yes, this is you, a long intro. <laughs> it's a long intro, but I had to cover the little, I give a little Sam Raimi background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've liked a lot of what Raimi has done. And I like all, all a lot of what the Coen brothers have done. So you said he did Xena Warrior Princess. He helped create Xena Warrior yeah. Princess, and Ted Raimi, his brother, is in Xena Warrior Princess as one of the characters. I can't remember what character he plays. If you saw Ted Raimi, you'd be like, "Oh, that guy." He like pops up in a lot of things. So I think I know who you're talking about. He has yeah, a, I know who you're talking about. He yeah. plays a Joxer. Yeah. Uh, the loyal friend to both Xena and Gabrielle. He's in love with Gabrielle, but his love is unrequited. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, Ted Raimi. Yeah, the Raimis are, they're all, from what I've heard, they're all pretty decent people. So um, are you ready to dive in? Watch us some Dark Man? Yes, let's do let's, this soon let's so do that it. you don't, aren't late to pick Mitzi up. I don't want to be late. So I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's, it's Del Toro time. time. So you were gaming, you were D&Ding late at night, mm-hmm. which you usually don't do. Except for sometimes. But would you say that this made you some kind of 
dark man? No. Would you say that this made you a, no. a creature of the night? I mean, kind of. I already was a creature of the night, though. Would you play a dark man role-playing game? No. <laughs> Would everyone get to be dark man? Yeah, there's no extended universe for that there to be a game in. Dark man. Or you're just like Durant or some low-level thug. You're, you're Ted Raimi getting his head run over by a car. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even imagine like what it would even mean to be set in the Dark Man universe. I guess this is the Dark like we are in a Dark Man universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you know So you know that there was like we I think we talked up top a little bit about the fact that there were like two direct to video sequels to this movie mm-hmm. made. Uh Dark Man 2: The Return of Durant, which is just if if you're in the video store and you're looking for something to rent and you're like, Dark Man 2, oh, well, at least Durant returns, which is almost as good as the title of Dark Man 3, which is Dark Man 3, Die, Dark Man, Die, which is just a great title. I don't even know what it's about. Uh but again, uh, we did not get the return of Liam Neeson. However, we did get the return of the sequel of Larry Drake as Durant, which is also interesting because Larry Drake also played Durant in a never-seen 30-minute uh, television pilot of a Darkman TV series, which was filmed and then never like oh, nothing ever came of it. But they actually got Larry Drake back to play Durant again. So this guy's played Durant more than anyone's ever played Dark Man. Because Dark Man in this movie was played by Christopher Bowen, who you probably know uh, from uh, an appearance in 1989's Doctor Who. He did four episodes of Doctor Who in 1989 where he played the character of Mordred in a King Arthur-esque uh, adventure. So... Uh, were you watching? I don't, uh, no, I no. Were you watching Doctor Who in 1989? <laughs> I wasn't even conceptualized in 1989. <laughs> it did have it did have a uh, 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 Nicholas Courtney as uh, the Brigadier in it, so you know. I don't know who that is. The Brigadier. He came back no, for the Sarah Nicholas Jane Adventures. Courtney. He was the original the Brigadier. Uh, it was a Sylvester McCoy episode. He was my Doctor, so. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. There's no Darkman. You want to know what? something else that happened while we were watching Darkman. What? <laughs> speaking of Doctor Who. <laughs> speaking of Doctor Who. Speaking of the Brigadier. <laughs> speaking of Torchwood, I guess. Queen England died. Queen England died while we were watching Darkman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, which is, you know, I was going to say it's fitting, but I don't know how it's fitting. Uh, but yes, Queen England passed away, passed into the uh, to the netherworld. And uh, and we were watching uh, Sam Raimi's Dark Man, <laughs> but a yeah. man who gets blown up and gets his face melted off and makes a new face out of nothing goop stuff that turns into goop if he wears his face for too long. And that's the end of the Dark Man movie. The end. That's the plot of Dark Man. Uh, it's very much when I saw this movie when I was a kid or a teenager. I was like, I love this movie. It's very weird. It's like watching a gross, weird cartoon made by a man who refuses to grow up. Like, it's it's just like a cartoon. It's like watching a a live-action cartoon. 
like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like, not a good cartoon. Not like a Disney cartoon. This is not the live action The Lion King. Uh, there was a live action The Lion King. I know there was. This it was not very good. It was not very good. There was also a live action The Pinocchio, which was also apparently not very good. I watched the first few minutes of it because you know how much I love Pinocchio. We have and to have something to compare the movie to. What's weird about it, so I was like, okay, I'll watch a little bit of Pinocchio. I keep thinking how bad could it be? It's directed by Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis, the you know, the guy who made two of my favorite movies of all time, Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So I was like, well, I got to watch some of it. I'm a Bobby Z fan. But he also hasn't made a good movie in like 30 years. <laughs> so uh, his last movie, arguably, his last good movie, arguably, was Cast Away, which I'm not a huge fan of, but people like. I guess Flight was a good movie, but Bobby Z, Bobby Z. He made that he made that Polar Express movie that Oh no. everyone hates. He made that Beowulf movie that everyone hates. He made that A Christmas Carol that everyone hates. Uh uh and then he made a Pinocchio that apparently everyone hates cuz it seems <laughs> it's getting raked over the coals. Good. Um yeah. But I tried to watch the beginning of it. Uh I was like immediately not drawn into the uncanny valley of of Jiminy Cricket, who looks weird and is voiced by not the right... Voiced by the guy from Third Rock from the Sun. What's his name? Famous actor. Very famous actor. Child actor. from. Th- he has three names. It is... Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jay Gore-Levo. He plays Jiminy Cricket. And he's... But he's not just playing Jiminy Cricket like Joseph Gordon... Like, I was, I was like, oh, okay, he'll just be playing Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But no, he's he's trying to do a Jiminy Cricket voice. He's like, I'm Jiminy Cricket, everyone. I'm like, well, then just cast a voice actor. <laughs> cast whoever is currently playing Jiminy Cricket for Disney to play Jiminy Cricket. Because he's trying to do Jiminy Cricket and it's not working. It sounds like <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing Jiminy Cricket. And I'm like, I could do that. I could do that, Disney. As you can probably tell, my voice is still not quite there. Yeah. It's still, still a little, little laryngitis-y. I could play Jiminy Cricket now. Cast me. Anyways, right. enough about Pinocchio. When We're going to talk about Darkman. you wish upon a star. See, I can do Jiminy Cricket. We're cutting that. <laughs> cut. <laughs> cut. <laughs> Always let your conscience be your guide. I'm no fool. No siree. I'm going to live to be 43. I play safe for you and me because I'm no fool. We used to have to watch these videos, these films in elementary school about like, don't take drugs out of the, uh, like your parents' medicine cabinet and look both ways before you cross the street. And they were hosted by Jiminy Cricket. And he would sing, I'm no fool. No siree. I'm going to live to be 103. He didn't. The actor died. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Jiminy Cricket, though, still alive, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So, Dark Man, the Pinocchio of his day. He wants to be a real live boy, and he wants you to please take the elephant, as he says. His famous quote: yep. "Please, please take this elephant." That was your what? So, okay. Usually, ladies and gentlemen, when we're watching a movie, I will watch Willow slowly. Pull away from the film. I will watch her like retreat into herself and disappear. That's not true. That's only with like this, very few movies. This was the opposite. This movie was a reverse of the fly. You started out 
hungered down and cringing away from the film. And by the end of it, you were like, yes, yes, kill him, Dark Man. <laughs> yeah. Like, you started out not on board with this movie, and you ended it completely on board. Mm-hmm. Completely on board with Larry Drake being helicoptered to death in the side of a, in the side of a tunnel. He deserved it. He did deserve it. Everyone deserves everything they get in this movie. Mm-hmm. It, maybe not Dark Man. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, she does not deserve to be terrorized by the Dark Man or anyone or else. Or any, everyone else. <laughs> it's funny to watch this movie having rewatched all of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies not terribly long ago. And seeing how much, how much happens in this movie that kind of happens in Spider-Man 3. Uh, You've got Mary Jane being held by the villain on top of a construction site, getting dropped repeatedly off the side of a construction. There were parts in this movie that I had gotten confused with Spider-Man 3. I was like, doesn't Mary Jane like catch her like hands on her piece of rebar and starts like, no, wait, that was Dark Man. But they're kind of the same ending. (laughs) Except that none of the villains get to disappear in a puff of sand and go fly off to find their daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh Dark Man. So what's this movie about? This movie's about capitalism. Is it? Kind of. Is it really is. It really yeah. is. <laughs> yes, it's all it's a harsh, subtle critique of capitalism. <laughs> subtle. Mm. <laughs> uh it's about a guy who's a scientist trying to create artificial skin. A noble pursuit. Mm-hmm. Uh and his girlfriend's a attorney of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's a movie attorney, which means an attorney of some kind. Yeah. Uh, he is... he. I totally missed how he got the document. Basically, there's this really important document that the bad guys want. Yeah. Because it, like, incriminates them or something. Uh, and he somehow gets it from her stack of papers. Right. Do you know, do you know how that happened? <laughs> so, I think it's that... So she has discovered uh, a document that, ex- yeah, like you said, exposes all the all the corruption behind this construction project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the villain is the main villain is this guy Tony Stark. I mean Tony Strzok. <laughs> I mean Strzok. I don't know what his first name is. <laughs> um, You're in Strzok Industries. It's Louis Strzok Jr. But yes, head of Strzok Industries. Uh, and so she, yeah. So I think what happens is. His lab is also his house, and she's visiting him there, and she leaves yeah. her stuff there. I think that's what happens. That's what happens. But she okay. does that stupid movie thing where she like is like, instead of taking the documents to the appropriate authorities, she confronts well, she confronts who she thinks isn't the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But she she tells the the bad guy, I have these documents. I'm going to take the villain down. <laughs> and the next thing you know, what happens? Uh, the bad guys show up to his lab house, mm-hmm. which it seems really dumb to live in a place that has a bunch of chemicals making artificial skin. Also, like a giant tub of acid. A giant tub of acid. This isn't a plasma pool, but it certainly could be used as one. <laughs> hey. Don't be afraid to take a swim in the plasma pool. <laughs> uh, and they start torturing him and his lab assistant to get uh-huh. the documents. They kill the lab assistant, which is mm-hmm. sad. It is sad. <laughs> because they <laughs> yes. also call him a slur. Yeah. <laughs> He's Asian. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they find the documents and F up Darkman, whatever yeah. his name is. I can't remember his actual name. Uh, so, <laughs> well, Darkman's actual name is Peyton Westlake. Right. Uh, Peyton. Peyton, you hear her say that a lot. Peyton, uh, what a weird name, Peyton. I guess it's similar to like the shadow, uh, because it it, it ha- he has a name. What is the shadow's real name? Uh, oh my god, what is the shadow's real name? I was just, I was just reading about the shadow. It is. Oh wait, I have it right here. Lamont Cranston. So Peyton Westlake is a name kind of like that, if that makes sense. Like kind of old fashioned and like. Yeah. In any case, yeah. The bad guy who kills him, though, or tries to kill him, is this guy Durant, played by L.A. Law's Larry Drake, who we know, mm-hmm. all we know is that he is evil. He cuts off people's fingers for fun. Yeah. But what does he do with the fingers? He taxidermies them. He, <laughs> he puts them in a little, little, little roll up, like, thing that usually you'd use to, like, display your torture tools. Yeah. He keeps people's fingers for fun. Uh, and. He but he it's just he cuts fingers off with a cigar cutter is his mm-hmm. thing. Uh, yeah, that's which, how sharp cigar cutters are. Which when I saw this movie the first time, I was like, well, that's the most messed up thing I've ever seen in a movie. You don't actually see the fingers come off, but mm-hmm. just knowing that he's doing it is bad enough. Yeah, um, it's bad news. It's bad news. Hand Payne trauma Westlake, is bad. Payne Westlake actually apparently had a superpower before he became Dark Man. Because he, apparently he's like the best imitator of all time oh right (laughs) he can do anyone's voice yeah and change his body shape to look like theirs played by uh peyton musick played by liam neeson by the Mm -hmm. way liam neeson who is um i believe incredibly tall yes which means that like everyone he imitates oh spoiler alert he ends up imitating a lot of people in this movie uh also have to be pretty tall uh this movie liam neeson had done he had been in some higher profile movies at this point mm-hmm. uh he had been in uh in krull and excalibur he had been in uh 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 what's it called um oh god the mission he had been in high spirits which is a movie that was a terrible flop but that i loved when i was a kid uh next of kin uh, but this was his first, like, starring, starring, starring role, like, in a big, like, this could be a blockbuster motion picture. And it kind of, like, I wouldn't say it undid his career for a while, but it, it took a few years before he was cast in Schindler's List. <laughs> and which did completely rewrite his career. But, uh, yeah, Liam Neeson's one of those interesting actors who, like pops up in stuff for a long time before Schindler's List. And he's Liam Neeson, who is from Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. But he plays a lot of not Irish people in his career. Yeah. Um, so in any case, yeah. So he gets messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He why gets... does he get... Why did... how? What happens to the boy? Uh, well, first they slam his hands into glass. <laughs> they his do. hands? Yeah, they're... They, they slam his face into glass, Right, too. yeah, that, you know, that's whatever. Uh, and then they Wait, dunk him in Wait, did you acid. mean his head, or did you... Did you <laughs> mean to say head, they yeah. slammed his head into glass? Yeah. Not his hands. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they did mess up his hands. Didn't his hands get set on fire? Yeah. No, he later sets his hand on fire. I'm getting that all confused. <laughs> A lot of he stuff sets happens his own to hand the boy. On fire. He gets tortured, but it's so exaggerated. He gets... 
he gets smashed to pieces at like he's in a Bugs Bunny cartoon mm-hmm. because they they it's Sam Raimi who is known for his like wild camera movements and even though he says in a Fangoria interview. This movie is my opportunity to not make a wild, exaggerated movie. He's like, this is the movie I'm gonna. I'm pulling back on the camera angles. I'm pulling back on the on the bizarre the bizarre cinematography. I want to tell a more straightforward drama. This movie has Peyton Westlake getting his face slammed repeatedly into glass into the camera, and he's like, and then like. Heave hoed into a pool of acid. <laughs> into a pool of acid. Which, why is there a then pool he, of acid? I don't know. It could be like photo processing chemicals. I don't know. Um, he has a 3D printer in his lab, though. Mm-hmm. A really cool one, because most 3D printers can't make skin. <laughs> You're obviously not buying the right 3D printers. <laughs> I said most. But it is, it is a technology, though, that like... I know scientists are working on like 3D printing organs, 3D printing actual flesh is like a thing that like people have in mind, like the ability to create artificial limbs, but like uh, like skin grafts and stuff using like 3D printing processes. Uh, so it's pretty cool that this movie was like sort of looking ahead to that to that mm-hmm. future. Obviously, it does. You can't. What well, I guess it takes like hours and hours for him to make a mask. So. Mm-hmm. It's not unrealistic, like because as anyone who's ever done three D printing knows, that stuff takes a long time. They have those fun little, uh, you know, the when the, like the toy that you had that <laughs> yeah. had a bunch of like plastic pins in it, and you would push your hand into it, and there would be an imprint of the hand. They have one of those. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know why they have that. I I, I think it's just a cool effect, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like he, he's like, I'm gonna grow an ear, and then you see like an ear appear in the pins, and then it just makes an ear. I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. that's an ear. It's also like a hologram. It's a hologram right. machine. He has, he has all kinds of technology in this cool lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem with his technology is that it only works for 99 minutes. 99 minutes? Something like yep, that. Yep, 99 minutes. And then the skin dissolves. Mm-hmm. And they figure out it's light. Uh, the, the skin will remain stable if there's no light on it. But once it gets hit by light, the countdown begins. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something that comes into play somewhat in the movie like he's once he starts wearing fake masks he only has a certain amount of time but i really felt like they could have done more with that like him trying to stay in darkness and stuff like i thought that was going to be like kind of the idea was that like if he's in the shadows he's fine which you know dark man but at least in this movie it's not that much of a plot point it just Mm -hmm. it sort of just becomes a countdown like once he has the mask on he has to which is a Really Take long care. countdown for a movie. <laughs> 99 minutes. Okay. 99 minutes. Uh, kind of like 88 miles per hour in Back to the Future. Um, so his girlfriend, Julie, is played by Frances McDormand, mm-hmm. uh, who is, I think, I think universally acknowledged to be one of the greatest actors of all time. Like, she's pretty much considered one of the greatest at least living actors but she's certainly i mean she's in her 60s and she's just still like just tearing it apart left and right mm-hmm. um she is you know she got her start in the early 80s i believe she yeah she had done blood simple in 84 that was her first movie she was in raising arizona uh mississippi burning but this is only her fifth major motion picture and the same year she appears in miller's crossing uh, which is a Coen Brothers joint. 
she goes on to make appearances in other movies, but uh, Shortcuts was kind of one of her big breakouts. And then she would go on, of course, Fargo was like everyone knew her after Fargo. And she's just an amazing actor. But this is such a funny role for her because she's pretty much just playing the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, but she's great in it. I like watching her in this. She's uh, uh, she's always captivating to watch. Yeah. Back to the plot of the movie that we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he gets kill- he gets poten- potentially killed by being exploded after they set his bottle of his big metal tube of some say- something yeah on fire with it with the water bird. <laughs> that makes no sense to people listening to this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it b- b- blows up the tube with the water bird. You know, <laughs> how you do when you blow up and laugh. So basically, is it like a tube of <clears throat> oxygen? Yeah, they open up yeah. like explosive gases, basically. Um, and Durant has a little lighter that has a little button on it that when you push the button, it lights. Um, and they he puts that in front of the, the oxygen gas tube um, and... It's one of those uh, rocking birds. Yeah. Like you see an alien. Like you see an alien. <laughs> um, and so he only has a certain amount of time to stop it before it goes all the way down and presses the thing, which doesn't make any sense because Makes that's not very no light. sense. That is it's, not how those birds work. No. And also, there's definitely not enough pressure in those birds for it to push that thing. <laughs> right. The whole idea behind those birds is they are pseudo perpetual motion devices. Mm-hmm. They have to dip their beak into water. In order to continue the rocking motion. Like that's yeah. That's why you put them next to a glass. If the bird had just been rocking like that, it would have just stopped rocking. Like it would mm-hmm. it wouldn't be getting further down. It would be returning to its resting point. Also, in alien isolation, mm-hmm. you see one of those birds in the beginning, but there's no water near it. And that yeah. bothers me so much. <laughs> it's like they knew enough to put the bird in it, but they didn't understand how the bird worked. No one knows how those birds work. No one cares anymore. It's magic. It's just magic. Uh, but yeah, so the bird, he's trying to crawl to the... And he's all kinds of messed up. He's burned. He's disfigured. He tries to crawl to the bird. He gets blown up. How blown up does he get? So blown up that he gets flung out of the the, the roof of the, the building into the lake. And Julie sees the water. building blow up. Yeah. Yeah, she's standing there. I had there. A, lot of, a lot of problems with the next segment of this movie. So he gets blown up. He gets... He gets wily coyotied into the air. And as he's flying through the air, he's going. Aah. And Julie's like watching the explosion. She's like, Peyton? Peyton? <laughs> uh, and he's just presumed incinerated. Which is dumb because that's not how that works. Except for the fact that we know that the police are yeah. on the take. Mm-hmm. We are in Gotham City, essentially. And the entire city is under the thumb of this corrupt individual. Yeah. So maybe the investigation was just a joke. Uh, but he's he's dead. The only thing left to bury is his ear, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was also going to be a plot point, but doesn't seem to come into play. No, I thought that like it was going to be a plot point because later on when he comes back to Peyton, he has both of his ears. He's she, covered I thought, in ears. <laughs> I thought that she was going to be like, you're not missing an ear anymore. What's going on? You're like right. I thought that was going to be something. Nope. No, Dave's burying here. It's just a fun thing to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, she begins being romanced by Strock, who she does not realize yet is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but was Peyton was Peyton Westlake killed? No. No. Oh, Why? How did he survive? 
he got thrown into the lake and then some doctors fished him out and started performing medically unethical experiments on him because they thought he was homeless. Right, right. Uh, uh, surprise cameo by uh, by Jenny Gutter, who is... Uh, I I don't know I don't know why she's in this except for the fact that um John Landis is in this film director John Landis has a cameo and John Landis directed an American Werewolf in London which starred Jenny Agutter so I'm just going to assume that there's like friendships and connections there with Sam mm-hmm. Raimi and like the world of 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 horror films uh but jenny agutter for those who don't know uh very famous very famous british actor um uh and you probably also don't know this. she was in logan's run was like one of her big movies um probably don't also know this uh i had a huge crush on her when i was in high school uh from american werewolf in london she is a very good actor and very pretty so uh (laughs) adolescent phil was like my heart beat Every time I saw her. Don't remember her being in Darkman, though. She plays a mad scientist, essentially. She plays a capitalistic, corrupt scientist yes. who uses the homeless population to perform incredibly dangerous and dumb experiments on. Uh, yeah, experiments that seem to involve putting them on uh, spinning wheels mm-hmm. and making them rotate around. But what's the miracle of their experiment? It makes them really angry. <laughs> <laughs> he skipped a part. What what did they have to do to Oh, they'd made it so he couldn't feel things. Right. They they made it so he could not And then they feel went things. on some dumb rant about psychology and how if you don't feel things you're a terrible person. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, the idea is that because he can no longer feel pain, uh he's he's now full of rage. Like I would be full of rage if I was blown up left for dead and then experimented on like that would cause me to be rich i would be full of rage if my entire life was taken away from me by a villain like that to me is enough for dark man to be dark for dark man to snap uh but no they explained that because he can't feel pain anymore because he can't feel anything and as you said i mean he has to be able to feel something or he wouldn't be able to like function they literally said he doesn't have the ability to feel anymore which makes whatever and as you noted there are actual people in the world who lose the ability to feel and they do not become monsters yeah uh this is that this is that Guillermo del toro thing this is that uh universal monsters thing which is that connection between the physical and the mental the -hmm. idea that like the disfigured and the disabled have a tendency to become unstable maniacs uh, however sympathetic we may expect you to feel towards them, uh, it's gonna happen. That's how we get our movie monsters, and uh, that's that problematic element of pretty much the concept of monsters. Yep. <laughs> Which is that the external and the internal are in- inevitably linked, and mm-hmm. it's the problem I have with Gamble del Toro as a person, kind of. His obsession with the disfigured, his obsession with the disabled, not as, uh, like, from a, not from a necessarily sympathetic light, but from a sort of like weird, grotesque fascination he has, to the extent that he has life size replicas of actual disabled people in his home mm-hmm. uh, because he just thinks they're cool. And I'm like, kind of gross. I still find that kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, uh, and 
Darkman plays right into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so does The Hunchback of Notre Dame. So does The Phantom of the Opera. So does any movie that's like they're disfigured. So they're kind of scary and we kind of are on board with that. I mean, Phantom of the Opera is also a murderer. He does murder people. I mean, technically so is Darkman. He is a murderer as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hunchback of Notre Dame, no. He he kills Frollo, doesn't he? But only because, doesn't he? Only be, only to like save his life, only to save, like, isn't he just mad that What's-Her-Face got killed? I don't remember <laughs> Hunchback of Notre I'm confusing the movie we watched with the book. Uh, because he sings that song, Hellfire. That's such a good song. Hellfire. Uh, and then she sings God Help the Outcasts, uh, which isn't that great of a song. Uh, so Dark Man, Dark Frollo's Man, Dark Man is super strong now. Also, that's the other thing that happens when he gets when he gets experimented on. He get, becomes super angry and he becomes super strong. He can smash through an entire wall in order to escape the hospital, which he does. Doesn't come back and kill Jenny a gutter though. No, I thought he was going to, but he doesn't. He should have. Uh, but he's not unlike the fly. He can smash full body through an entire window. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So he goes back. He finds out his lab has been destroyed. He scavenges as much as he can from his lab. Finds a burnt out uh, abandoned warehouse. Sets up a sulfuric new Sulfuric acid oh, warehouse. Oh, that's right. He goes the abandoned to, sulfuric acid warehouse. Goes to an abandoned acid warehouse. <laughs> Which I joked a, about the entire time. Sets himself up a pretty nice living space. He has a cat. He's he has a cat. He, has he doesn't cat. have a cat. He has the cat he has from Pet Cemetery. The cat from Pet Cemetery. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Church from Pet Cemetery is the cat from Darkman. Gets cast in Darkman after a brilliant turn as Church. Gets cast in Darkman as the as the acid cat, <laughs> the acid <laughs> warehouse cat, who potentially got blown up. We don't know. Who does? Everyone going to see this movie saw him and was just like, church, 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 <laughs> church, every time he was on screen until he did his patented church move, which is ears go down, he crouches, he goes, church, and people would go, church, church. And then he did that and they all went, hey, and the audience went crazy. That's what I, I wish that was true. Uh, I have a friend who used to have uh, a podcast that I was on once called uh, Pet Cinematary. And it was a podcast all about just the animals in movies. Mm-hmm. And I was on an episode about uh, the dog from Silence of the Lambs, uh, Prince, uh, Precious. And uh, I don't know if she ever did Dark Man, but uh, I think she did Pet Cemetery, obviously. so Did she ever do the thing? She may have done about- the thing. That great, uh, good boy dog. Wolf. I, I, I am. I, I would be surprised if she hadn't. She's a huge horror fan. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Pet Cinematary. I know it doesn't run anymore, but it, uh, I'm sure it's still out there. And there's an episode of me talking about Silence of the Lambs. So, uh, yes, he gets the best house. He gets the best cat. He's living large. What does he have to worry about? A lot of things. He starts becoming, he's horribly disfigured. He starts doing his research again. He develops masks and hands of all the people who did him wrong, who did him dirty. He does spy on them Yes, as well. Takes a lot of pictures. Mm -hmm. Uh, He kills Ted Raimi, who killed his lab partner. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, how does he kill him? He like waterboards him in the sewers to get information, and then sticks his head in like above like a sewer vent and get lets him get hit by a bunch of cars. Yeah, pops his head out of a manhole. Uh, pretty creative way to kill somebody. Yeah, uh, it looks horrific. <laughs> what a way to go! And yeah, I thought he was gonna get hit by a car. He you know his face gets run over by a wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see it, but you do hear it. Yep. How does the it best, go? I don't even remember, but it was a great sound effect. It's like, oh yeah, it's like a cartoon sound effect. This movie has some sound effects in it. This movie's got jokes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, like I said, this movie is very violent. This movie's rated R. There's a lot of swearing in the very beginning. The first line like, has like a few f bombs in it. This movie, right out of the gate, is like this is an R-rated movie. Uh, but there's no like nudity. There's the violence. There's, it's very violent, but a lot of the violence happens off screen or is so stylized. It's like EC horror violence. It's mm-hmm. like you're reading a, 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 a wacky, like, a, like an old comic book. It's, um, a, it's styled to be a comic book movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it. No wonder there's so many weird sound effects in it. Yeah. It's like you're watching uh, the, the original movie Creep Show. It's very stylized. There's a lot of weird lighting effects. Um, but he also starts stalking his girlfriend, Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, he first he confronts her, and he's like a, he's just like a monsterman, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> and also, he has no lips, mm-hmm. but he can still say plosives. They just sort of like you see him, you see just his teeth, but he can still make B sounds and P sounds. He's like, "Julie, yeah. it's me, it's me, your son Titan. I'm the Dark Man." I'm pretty good at that, by the way. Nice. It's because when I was a kid, I had a duck on ventriloquism. Oh. And so I practiced a lot. Talk. This is how a, a ventriloquist <laughs> talks. Definitely. <laughs> you have your tatat right here. And you're like, hey, Billy. Hey, Billy, how's it going? It's great. <laughs> I'm having a great day. I really like being a ventriloquist tatat, Phil. That's great. Uh, tell a funny joke. Well, that's how you do ventriloquism. You couldn't I, see. I don't think anyone listening to this couldn't see, like that, but though. it was pretty funny what I was doing. <laughs> Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy were the most famous ventriloquist and ventriloquist dummy of all time, and they were famous because they had a radio show. A radio show for a ventriloquist dummy. Even when I was a little kid, I was like, how stupid were the people listening to this? <laughs> they were like listening like, it's time for the Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy show. And he's like, hey there, Charlie McCarthy. Oh, hey there, Edgar Bergen. And people at home listening to a radio show were like, this is really good ventriloquism. I'm totally, I'm totally impressed by your amazing ventriloquism. People were stupid. Anyway. <laughs> So there's there's no ventriloquists in this in this movie. It would make the movie a hundred. Why are we times talking worse. about ventriloquists? <laughs> because he didn't have lips, but he could Why make B and P sounds. That's right. That's right. Also, he, he needs to get sounds. his skin checked out by a doctor because it's not healing. His skin is not scabbing over. It's it's just a mess. <laughs> It's it's uh it's uh it's uh two face at the end of the dark night. Mm-hmm. Like it's just you can see tendons and muscles and everything underneath his skin. 
Yeah, and it's but it's not infected, so he must be putting something on it. He's changing his bandages. He is. His bandages are always clean. You were very <laughs> proud about that. You pointed that out. You were like, oh, good. He's changing his bandages regularly. <laughs> no one ever does, and it bothers me. It's pretty cool. Uh, pretty good guy, that Peyton Westlake. He knows like, how to take care of himself. You were uh, like, well, he's a scientist. Of course he does that. And I'm like, half the superheroes are scientists that have had something go wrong, and they don't change their bandages. Anyways. Yeah. He's got a fresh supply. Always has a fresh supply of bandages. So, yeah. So, he kills he kills uh, the, uh, Ted Raimi. He, uh, he, he goes on this, like, sort of, like, revenge thing. He's trying to get revenge. Uh, he kills one guy. He, he pretends to be this big, fat, bald guy mm-hmm. in order to trick uh, Durant into thinking this guy was stealing money from the company and then going to... And then going to skip town with the Ted Raimi who's been missing. Yeah. Uh, it's a long, complicated process to mm-hmm. get Durant to kill this guy by throwing him out of a window. But it is a pretty funny sequence. It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of good henchmen in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's very it's very colorful. You can't you cannot say this movie has boring villains. No. One of them has a gun leg. You're right. Tell us about <laughs> tell us about the tell us about the uh, devil's backbone connection. <laughs> so at the beginning of the movie, the movie opens with like two crime bosses like at war or something on like uh, and uh, one of Durant's uh, henchmen has a prosthetic leg because uh, they've been like all of their weapons have been removed by this guy, and in his prosthetic leg, we discover that there's like a machine gun or something, but not. Like a hidden gun. Yeah, no, his leg is the gun. And it's funny because he, he gets his leg taken off by one of the other henchmen and then he's just bouncing. Right, he doesn't time. use the prosthetic leg because he yeah. can't because you can't use a machine gun with one leg. Mm-hmm. You fall over. Yeah. What's funny about it as well is that that's not the only time they they continue to use the prosthetic yeah. leg gun throughout the rest of the movie. Like it's just one of their weapons. It just looks yep. like a leg. It's pretty good. But you, Anyways, it's connected to the devil's backbone because... Because she has a gun hidden in her prosthetic leg. She has a gun hidden in her prosthetic leg. You were like, "Is this? did this influence the devil's backbone? And I was like, <laughs> but, well, I've never, it never even occurred to me. <laughs> um, he goes after Durant. There's this scene where he disguises up as Durant, who is this like renowned kingpin, mm-hmm. crime boss. He disguises himself as Durant. <laughs> Holds up a convenience store and yep. like looks directly into the convenience store security camera and is like, I'm Durant, which leads to Durant being arrested. And I'm like, if the cops are this corrupt, are they really going to arrest the crime boss Kingpin for holding up a convenience store? And even Durant is like, why would I hold up a convenience <laughs> store? I'm a rich crime boss. <laughs> Durant is very funny. He is very He's funny. He's terrible, but... He's a very funny character. Yes. Uh, the late, great Larry Drake, who was a pussycat, who was just the nicest actor, apparently, in the world, who died a few years back. Uh, we we mourned him. Everyone loved working with Larry Drake. Uh, uh, again, he was famous for L.A. Law. He won Emmys for playing uh, Benny on L.A. Law, the Down Syndrome character, who, of course, now it w- wouldn't be considered cool for a, a non-disabled actor mm-hmm. to play a person with Down Syndrome. But at the time, it was 
sort of a revelation because it was the only show that actually had a Down Syndrome character as a main character who had his own plots, his mm-hmm. own subplots and storylines. Uh, there was a very famous one where uh, uh, Benny wanted to get married. I believe he was getting or he was just dating a dating a woman who also had Down Syndrome. And his parents were against it, even though this is like a man in his like you know mm-hmm. late 30s, early 40s. His parents were against it. But the L.A. Law staff, the lawyers on staff, were like, no, you are an adult. You have the right to have a relationship with this woman. And they actually, like, gave, like, did sex ed for him because his parents had never taught him about sex uh, Mm -hmm. so that he could have a physical relationship with his girlfriend. And at the time, that was, like, a huge deal on, like, 1980s primetime television to have this plot line. Uh, And as problematic as L.A. Law could be at times, uh, the stuff they did with Larry Drake's character were was for the time like revelatory mm-hmm. uh and he was a respected actor and he apparently just he ended up playing he had his own movie called dr giggles where he was the villain he was dr giggles uh i think because of this movie i think this movie gave him like the doctor uh, enough cred to play dr giggles uh uh which i never saw but i understand is a camp classic and that uh, when I had freshmen visiting and staying in my dorm room for freshman weekend in college, one of them was this dour human being who never smiled and who we all hated and who we ended up nicknaming Dr. Giggles. <laughs> because it has an 18% smiled. on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's a much beloved movie. Dr. Giggles. Uh, yeah. So that's that's my Larry Drake rant. Uh, you said he's having a great time playing Durant in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's he's fun. He's 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 magnetic, and uh, yeah. he's he, he he yells at people a lot. <laughs> a lot. He chews the scenery so much that it's a surprise there's any left. Uh, but there is I a like, great. What I like when he's leaving the police like station and he's yelling yes. at his lawyer. Yes. And the lawyer's uh, like, "Well, you were on camera," and he's like, "What do you mean I was on camera?" Uh, so he also dark man goes on a date with his girlfriend who he reconnects with at the funeral at the cemetery mm-hmm. uh, he's made a mask of his face right which uh, it took a while because he didn't have a full full picture of his face and they do a good job in close-ups of him uh making his skin look not mm-hmm. quite real like they put a they just basically cake a lot of makeup on him so that his skin yeah. looks a little fakey and plasticky mm-hmm. uh but yeah, he takes his girlfriend to an amusement. Why do they go to the fair? Like, he's like, I have exactly 99 minutes and I have to be out of the light. I have to be away. Why Ooh, go movie. to a Yeah, why go to a bustling fairground? It seems like the worst. Fairs are hard to get out of. That's, their, that's the entire purpose. You get stuck there so you spend more money. Right. Uh, so he decides he's going to win his girlfriend an elephant. Yeah, after seeing the other superhero character in this movie that's right there is a superhero <laughs> character in this movie who shows up in this movie morbius <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we were not expecting a cameo appearance by morbius himself morbius our favorite movie if you've yep. listened to our morbius episode the best movie we've ever seen morbius shows up out of nowhere <laughs> and so then what- disappears again never shows up. so what happened like what actually happens in the, this is the most inexplicable moment in this movie in a movie filled with inexplicable moments what happens in this scene there's like a like a, a quote freak show going on and the the person who's running it like pulls the mask off of a person who is just a vampire 
he's a Nightbreed. If you've never seen the movie Nightbreed, Clive Barker's Nightbreed, it's about this underground city of 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 basically monsters, except you find out that they're not the villains of the movie. They are actually like sympathetic characters. Mm-hmm. He is a monster. Like he is a he is not it's it is not a malformed human. It is not a dis like a person with a physical disfigurement. Yeah. It's something else. They have caught a Nightbreed. They have caught a Morbius. <laughs> and the person's like, look at the freak. And you see, like, Darkman momentarily be like, oh, no, just like me. And then they just go on with the movie. And I'm like, wait, who is this guy? Like, where did you where did you find this person? He is clearly a mole person. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Because we never come back to him. So, okay, so what happens at the fair? Uh, he's like, I'm going to win you this elephant. And he plays a fair game, one of the rigged ones, that you throw a ball and knocks the three pin, the three metal pins down. If you like, if you want to knock those down, you get a prize. Yeah. And he does it at the end, and then the guy's like, you have to be behind the line. And he's like, I was behind the line. And the guy's like, eh, you have to be behind the line. And he gets progressively more angry and does what I think all of us wish we could do to carnival workers sometimes when they're t- trying to cheat us out of money and breaks uh-huh. the dude's fingers. Because the dude, like, gets in his face and, like, pushes on his chest. Yeah. He doesn't just break the dude's fingers, though. He bends them all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he grabs the pink elephant, which he politely hands to his girlfriend. Definitely politely. Uh he yeah it's it's probably the most famous scene from dark man the camera gets all wild and spinny the colors go like all like bizarre there's like a lot of flashing lights mm-hmm. the camera is whipping from face to face like evil dead 2 yeah and he's like take the elephant and she's like i don't want the elephant and he says take the elephant he swears he says a swear word there mm-hmm. and then he breaks the guys he when he breaks the guy's fingers it like goes whips from face to face of everyone screaming it's brilliant he goes take the elephant and then his face starts bubbling and churning, and he goes, yep. rah, 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 and he <laughs> runs off. And it is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, just look up. Go to YouTube and look at the pink elephant scene, and it's there. Uh, we did skip over the scene where he puts a cone on his head and dances around. Oh, that's right, and scares the cat. In probably the most Sam Raimi mo- moment, because it's literally something out of Army of Darkness. He... he, he it, it, there are scenes in Army uh, Evil Dead 2 when Ash is going insane in the Evil Dead house. And he's like dancing around and the house is like screaming and laughing. And he's like, <laughs> and he starts doing the dance with the house. Literally the same thing. Uh, Dark Man puts, a, puts a, a funnel on his head. And he's like, look at the dancing freak. And he's like doing like funny little dances. And I was like, hell yeah, this is great. I wish the movie had more of that in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Dark Man's face melts off and he goes running. Uh... He's also had this this conversation, a conversation with his girlfriend about, like, would you still want to be with me if I was horribly disfigured? And, like, thank, the way that she answers this, I really appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) Because she doesn't just go, yes, like a lot of people in movies do. She's like, I I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't, I've I've never been faced with this situation before. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what I would do. So he runs off. From the fair. She follows him. Yeah. And finds the abandoned sulfuric acid warehouse. Yeah. And she goes to talk to Strock at his office. That's where she She's finds... She's figured out that he's doing the masks as well because she sees all of the equipment and stuff. Right. And she's like, I still love you no matter what. And he's like, whatever. Yeah. Take the elephant. 
Uh, and then she, she she goes to Strock's place, and she's like slept with Strock or like had a relationship with him a little bit. She finds the memo that she had discovered before. Yeah. She puts two and two together. She's like, "Oh, this guy's this the worst. is this is where I was like, if this dude had waited twenty four hours to get that memo, literally everything would have been fine, right? Because he's building the city of the future, mm-hmm. a city of the future made entirely of glass." Which apparently you can only see through his window because he's like, come here, I want to show you something. And he opens up his window and you see all these skyscrapers being built. And I'm like, can you not see that from outside? Like, (laughs) if she was like walking through the city, would that be visible? Or is he like, I have it set up so you can only see all these skyscrapers from right here. It's a very impractical city of the future. It also has a theme park entrance that we see later. Right. <laughs> uh, so this is where we find out, of course, we, what we already know that that Strock is working with Durant. Yeah, uh, and and that we we already kind of knew that because one, he's a jerk, and two, we saw Durant and his henchmen at Strock's like that's right, indus- that's right. industries like party, uh, where 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 Ted Raimi was kidnapped and waterboarded and crushed by a wheel. So. Uh, Strock is like, go get the girl, get her, and kill Westlake. Um, so she gets kidnapped, and uh, and they go to kill Westlake, and this is where the final like sequence of the movie begins. It's a huge mm-hmm. chase involving a helicopter and Westlake, dark man hanging off the helicopter on a hook. Yeah, but first, there's some more interesting stuff that happens during that fight. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Yeah, because the henchmen go in after him first. The yeah. the the two guys that we've seen a lot of, uh, Smiley, because <laughs> we kept thinking his name was Spidey. I think it's Smiley. Okay. And uh, one other guy. Oh, what's his name? I have it pulled up. His name is Rudy Guzman. Okay. And so they're going in after him, and they're like buddies. Yeah. One of them discovers the wall, the the closet full of skin. <laughs> And gets thoroughly freaked out and then tied up by Darkman and has like a bunch of masks put on him. And the the other dude, Smiley, ends up shooting him and killing him because he yeah. thinks he's someone else. And then Smiley gets attacked by Darkman wearing his face and killed by himself. And that's awesome. Yeah, it's it, it gets pretty nuts. Uh, it, it, I think I pointed out that there's that, that the the villain wearing a different face is also repeated in i think uh, mission impossible 2 mm-hmm. it's a similar I, I, <laughs> when this movie first started i was like is he gonna make mission impossible masks <laughs> yeah and he does like it's just mission yep. impossible masks yeah so he gets those guys through his trickery and chicanery <sighs> and also his super strength yeah, we can't forget that he has super strength he has because a... he doesn't because he's it makes sense, okay? Right, 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 right. Let's let's get through the end of this because <laughs> yeah. there's still a little bit of movie left. Uh, he grabs onto the hook that's hanging off the helicopter that Durant is in. He attaches the hook to a semi, which goes into a tunnel, and the helicopter flies into the side of the yeah. tunnel and explodes. We end do watch. Dur- we we watch Durant's <clears throat> descent into madness and definitely not being supported by the police anymore after he kills a police helicopter person. He does. He also blows up. Yeah. The helicopter is flying. Uh, there's a police helicopter trying to catch the bad guy's helicopter, and Durant just shoots everybody in the helicopter. Yeah, and then he starts just disc- indiscriminately dropping like bombs on the ground. Yep, he goes nuts. 
Yeah. Uh, but it's fine because he dies. Except he doesn't because mm-hmm. he comes back in Darkman 2, The Return of Durant. Uh, and also apparently the pilot to the Darkman TV series. Um, so now it's Darkman trying to rescue Julie from the rest of the henchmen and Strock, who are up on top of a skyscraper that is currently under construction. End of yeah. Spider-Man 3. The rest of this henchman, by the way, is one guy who we've never seen before. And Strock was raised, apparently given birth to on a skyscraper. (laughs) So he's not afraid to be up that high on these girders. Darkman is because he can't feel pain, but apparently he can get vertigo because he's not happy up there. Well, he can feel pain, but he he can't feel pain. But he can still get killed by falling (laughs) off of a skyscraper into a bunch of spikes. (laughs) This is where the dumbest... But it's still fine because it's Dark Man. Stunt happens where Julia's hands are bound together. She falls off the skyscraper. She's falling down feet first with her hands over her head bound together. And she gets saved by getting caught by like a stick of rebar sticking out. Which is impossible <laughs> because the rebar would have had to have traveled through her entire body in order to get hung on her arms. Because she's – it's not like on the very end of it either. It's like like a couple of feet up the rebar. And I'm like – yeah. Unless she was falling like flat and the rebar was here and she went whoop like and caught like that. But she didn't. No. Also, both of her shoulders would have been dislocated by that. Right. Or her wrists would have popped out. Or at least like it would have like. It would have ripped her arms off. Ripped her arms off or degloved her hands or something. And then again, yeah. it's a big dumb cartoon. Because obviously she starts slipping at one point and Darkman has this to save her. This whole fight is a big dumb cartoon and I was complaining about it the entire time. Yeah, it's fun though. It's fun. Yeah, it's a fun fight, but I also like complaining about things. Right. And uh, Darkman ends up... There's a lot going on. He ends up finding Strock on the on the thing. He ends up holding Strock by, by his leg and Strock says, you can't kill me. If you kill me, you'll be just like me. And my death is something you're going to have to learn to live with. And Darkman says, I'm learning to live with a lot of things. And he drops Strock off the side of the building. Great superhero line, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Also great because he didn't do that superhero thing where he kills a bunch of minions and then refuses to kill the bad guy. Right. And claims he doesn't kill people. Yeah. Uh, he saves Julie and she's like, we can learn. We, you know, like, I still love you. And he's like, I've changed too much. He's like, I, you can't love me. Uh, and she's you like, you can love I, me, but you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, but I love you. And he runs away. And by the time she goes to find him, he's already put on one of his fake masks. And who is he disguised as this time? He's disguised as Ash from the Evil Dead. He is, he is going to go on, beat up, beat up demons. <laughs> he has bought an Evil Dead, an Ash versus Evil Dead mask. Uh, he's dressed as Bruce Campbell. It's Bruce Campbell's big cameo in this. Uh, which made me and my friend Brad go, yay, when we first saw it. The final uh, shump. And he says his last line, I am everyone and no one, everywhere and nowhere, call me Dark Man. And we watched this movie and were convinced, convinced that Sam Raimi was going to make a Dark Man 2 starring Bruce Campbell as Dark Man. <laughs> Because he didn't want to be discovered, so why would he wear his Liam Neeson face anymore? We were like, yes, now he's Bruce Campbell. Now we can get to the real movie, where now it's just Dark Man like being basically like a twisted Batman, solving crimes, beating up bad guys, and he's Bruce Campbell. This is going to be amazing. And then it didn't happen. Yeah, unfortunate. Unfortunate for us. 
Uh, fortunate probably for Sam Raimi, yeah. <laughs> who uh, decided not to go that route and instead uh, went the, how do you say, uh, well, I was going to say successful route, but he ended up making Army of Darkness next, which was his passion project, but which bombed. Then he made The Quick and the Dead, which I think is a good movie. It's not great, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Raimi movie. Simple Plan, which is amazing. I love a simple plan. I never saw For Love of the Game because nobody saw it. I saw The Gift with your mom. Very good horror movie. And uh, then Spider-Man. And the rest is history. He made three Spiders Man. He wanted to make four, but they wouldn't let him. Uh, And uh, he went on to make... He he didn't make a movie for a couple years. Made Drag Me to Hell. Didn't make a movie for a few years. Made Oz the Great and Powerful. And then he didn't make a movie for nine years. And he came back with Doctor Strange. Which was fine. In the Multiverse of Madness? Multiverse of Madness. I have I have not seen that movie. It's fine. Um, and uh, yeah, so Darkman comes out. It does okay. It ends up pulling it. Well, it does pretty well. It does $48 million on a $14 million budget. Apparently, it had the worst, uh, worst uh, preview screenings of all time in Universal's history. The lowest scores ever. Uh, until they added the Danny Elfman score, and then it went up. It's a good score. Sam Raimi thought the ad campaign was brilliant. Uh, he thought they did a good job promoting his film. It, like I said, it did okay. There was a video game based on Obviously. it called Darkman, published by Ocean Software, who makes crappy games. Uh, released for the Amiga and the Atari ST, it's just a it's just a, a, a platform, a scroller, it's like a side scrolling mm-hmm. platformer. But you do have like a time limit. Because you have to disguise yourself as the bad guys, like to get through. Which you know, that's a good it's, video game mechanic. Yeah, it's a pretty good premise. Yeah, uh, Darkman has appeared in uh, many, many uh, comic books. Uh, there was an adaptation of this. There was a six-issue miniseries by Marvel, um, and it's crossed over with uh, with uh, the Army of Darkness uh, comic books. There's been a Darkman versus Army of Darkness where he fights <laughs> Ash Williams. Um, and there's been some Darkman novels, apparently. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of Deadpool versus Darkman uh, scenarios on the <clears throat> internet. I am not surprised. Which Deadpool would win because Darkman can die. <laughs> Deadpool would win because Darkman <laughs> can't die. Apparently, in Die Darkman Die. Every time you say a title that sounds like that, I just think Kill Baby Kill. Kill Baby Kill. Uh, the woman who is, I guess, Darkman's girlfriend or something. Uh, gets horribly disfigured at the end, and Darkman has to use the last of his like new liquid skin to fix her face. Um, oh, it's a little girl who gets disfigured, and she was in a production of Beauty and the Beast. This sounds terrible. I have to watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the Darkman sequels came out when I was in college. And I remember passing them at the video rental place and being like, nah. Nah. Uh, this past April, just this past April, Liam Neeson uh, talked about making a potential legacy sequel to the film. Um, so that could still happen because that was just a few months ago. So, And I guess the time is ripe. Like, if you're going to make one, Sam Raimi's back on top. And... Uh, and uh, People like people like making reboots and, and sequels to old things. Yeah. So Dark Man, thumbs up, thumbs down. It's a great movie. I liked it a lot. 
So you did end up liking it. Yeah. Uh, I di- I, the fly has scarred me from, I just can never, I never know what they're going to show. Yeah. Like, I just, I never know. <laughs> so it was a bit of a rough start with the acid and the stuff. But it was great. So our friend Guillermo del Toro says, Dark Man by Sam Raimi. Quietly, along with Burton's Batman, this signals the birth of quirky, inventive, modern comic book movies. I believe that the explosion that originates Darkman is an Alec Holland wink to that masterpiece Swamp Thing. Uh, which, yeah, that's how Swamp Thing becomes Swamp Thing. He gets blown yeah. up. So, uh, Why isn't the Batman movie on here, then? <laughs> uh, too obvious, probably. <laughs> um. Yes. He does not compare it to Frankenstein. He does not compare it to Pinocchio. But we as compared we, it to Frankenstein. But uh we compared it to Frankenstein, we compared it to Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's it's it is, I think, intentionally all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I, I, I was saying at times this could have been directed by Guillermo del Toro. I'd love to see Guillermo del Toro direct a Darkman movie. <laughs> yeah, like it's so much his, it's so much his his cup of tea. It's not a surprise that he likes this movie. I'm trying to figure out who played the 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 sideshow person, and I cannot find it. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was looking it up too. No idea, no clue. Like if I anyone... found the person who played the sideshow announcer. Uh, oh, maybe here it is. Tony Gardner is uncredited as. Lizard Man. Lizard Man. That was not a lizard. Tony Gardner is Lizard Man in Lizard Man. Lizard Man. Uh, And Bruce Campbell, of course, as Final Shemp. So if you want to get your hands on this movie, obviously it's for sale. There's a great Blu-ray that you can buy. It's a collector's edition Blu-ray. It's got some fun stuff on it, so there you go. It's a short movie. It's not going to take up too much of your time if you want to watch it. Took um, up just enough of our time for us to miss the death of the Queen of England, though. The death of Queen England wasn't as good as Dark Man. The death of the Queen of England wasn't as good as Dark Man? It was not. Tony Gardner, who played Lizard Man, is a makeup designer. Mm-hmm. There you go. And a puppeteer. So, that's it. Uh, and he's also been in other things he's been in a lot of other things uh i think our connection is getting worse and worse yeah are they streaming something downstairs <laughs> nope i have no idea what's going on so we should probably call it a day what is our next movie oh yeah i really like this movie. all right time to end the episode it's time to end the episode because we are about to get ended whether we like it or not so what is our next major motion picture is it goodfellas it is goodfellas the best fellas and uh i, cool. I might inst- I might insist that we watch this together in the same room. (laughs) I think that's the end of the episode, folks, because he's completely frozen. I don't know if he's coming back. I'm Phil. (laughs) And I'm Willow. And it's Del Del Toro Toro time. (laughs) Bye. The worst. I'm just going to say, for the purpose of our audience, uh, the entire ending of this thing got screwed up because we couldn't see or hear each other.